Hi, everyone. Thank you very much for joining us again in another Tuesday of Ayn Rand's discussions of essays. Um, so today's essay is, is Atlas Shrugging. So James, could you guide us a bit through this essay? And could you tell us the meaning of what does it mean that Atlas is shrugging? Well, as a preliminary here, I have to give a big old spoiler alert, a notice and warning to everybody. Uh, our discussion here uh, obviously refers to Ayn Rand's monumental novel, Atlas Shrugged, published in 1957, um, uh, her magnum opus, really. And uh, it is, of course, a philosophical novel. And the title, Atlas Shrugged, is sort of a giveaway to the theme, if you can figure out the mystery as you're going through it. And it presents the mystery of the mind on strike. Um, uh, the, the intelligent, the productive members, the most intelligent, most creative, and most productive members of society go on strike uh, against a world of dictatorship and uh, the world of dictatorship that's closing all around them. In this novel, Ayn Rand presents uh, America in a slightly different uh, future than where she was in 1957, where the government was more and more becoming a socialist slash, slash fascist state, which was ordering the creative people around. The theme of Atlas Shrugged, the theme of Atlas Shrugged is the role of the mind in human existence. And, um, you know, a lot of people on the right will note a relationship between freedom and prosperity in a society. Ayn Rand was the one who understood for the first time the causal relationship between freedom and prosperity. Why is it that uh, censorship destroys a creative culture? Why is it that socialism destroys economic and technological progress? Well, Ayn Rand understood that it was the mind, human intelligence, that is the first, our basic means of survival. It is the way in which we, because, why? Because it's our only means of knowing the world, figuring things out, knowing and learning. When the mind is put under compulsion, it does not work. A gun is not an argument. A gun, if I put a gun to you, Alejandro, I'm never gonna persuade you of anything. I can get you to behave in a certain way. I can get you to act in a certain way if I point a gun, but I can't convince you of anything. A gun is not an argument. Um, all I can do if I'm pointing a gun at lots of people, like government does, is shut down their judgment, their minds, their ability, the relevance of their own creative thought to their own life, because now they're having to take orders. So what uh, coercion does, whether it's the coercion of a criminal or the coercion of government, is to shut down the very operation of the human mind, of intelligence itself. And so Ayn Rand depicts a society in Atlas Shrugged that's falling apart as the mind is at under attack from society, in effect, and uh, the hero of the story leads the creative intellects of his world to go on strike on purpose so that the world can see what happens with a, a world without a mind, a mindless uh, earth. And quickly and promptly, the world goes to hell in a handbasket. Now, in one of the powerful moments of Atlas Shrugged, uh, her hero actually states that his, the purpose of his strike is to drain the brains of the world, to drain the brains of the world, to show the world the importance of the human mind. In 1964, uh, some seven years after Ayn Rand had published Atlas Shrugged, she was getting all kinds of fan mail from people who couldn't, who at first thought that she was exaggerating matters in Atlas Shrugged and suddenly reading the newspaper headlines and realizing that, of course, 
Ayn Rand had put her finger right on the, the issue here. Slaves do not have an incentive to work extra hard or to be creative in their thought, do they? They won't profit from it. Their family won't profit from it. In fact, as far as they know, the resources that they would help contribute to will only uh, help enslave them and continue their slavery. Uh, and this is just a on, on one extreme example, you can see how force completely shuts down the mind. But it works on a continuum too. Uh, the more the, the more enslaved a person is, the more they have to take orders at the point of a gun, like, such as the government, the more the mind will shrink in society, the more it will withdraw, whether or not there's an intentional strike led by John Galt or not. That is simply the way it works. You know, uh, economists will, will uh, sometimes put it like this, conservative economists, incentives matter. And Ayn Rand well, really is stressing here the reason why incentives matter. And it comes down to egoism. People naturally will do things that they see improve their own life. And if they can't see it improving their own life, they're not likely to do it. They're not likely to do it. And so um, in the 1960s, just to give up so I can stop uh, yammering on here, in the 1960s, in, uh, in the early 1960s, in the wake of socialized medicine in Great Britain, Great Britain was losing physicians left and right, especially to the United States. But they would be fleeing socialized medicine uh, doctors. Now, let's figure that out. Why, how is this possibly connected? Well, maybe because they have a greater profit incentive in a free market environment. They'll, be hot, they'll properly be rewarded and remunerated for their uh, life-saving efforts and for all the work they put into it, so it's the remuneration, but also the freedom to do the work they want, the way they want to, the freedom to use their judgment as doctors in cases, rather than taking orders from some national medical establishment. So the freedom to use their mind and the, and the gaining of rewards, the just rewards that they get, is destroyed under socialism. So naturally, they're fleeing to a freer country. So people, people on the left and the right back in those days were scratching their heads. And the ultimate thing is, they actually defined the phenomenon as a brain drain. I don't know if they were aware of Ayn Rand's previous use in 57, but uh, in fact, the concept came into uh, the English vocabulary in the 1960s. In the years just after Atlas Shrugged, they labeled this phenomenon of the flight of minds, the flight of professional brains uh, from one place to another um, as a brain drain. Now, the concept is much broader. It's not just moving from one country to another. Uh, Atlas Shrugged depicts a world in which every, all the other countries of the world have already declined into people's states of socialism of one kind or another. So America is the only place, there's no place to go but America, if you will. But even there, the brain goes on strike, either intentionally or by necessity, you see. Um, so it's a much broader phenomenon. It can happen within sectors of an economy. If one sector of the economy becomes heavily regulated, you'll notice that the creative minds go to another sector of the economy. Or within the United States, for example, we have different states that have different degrees of onerous regulations and stuff. And so you'll see uh, people moving from, say, California, which has become basically a socialist state these days, to Texas or Florida, which basically have no income tax and a much more favorable regulatory uh, structure for business. It can be a regional move, it can be a within an industry uh, to another industry move, or it can be from a nation to another nation. 
So it's a much broader phenomenon simply than moving from one country to another. But by the 1960s, the phenomenon was identified specifically with respect to the flight of physicians and medical professionals from Great Britain in the wake of socialized medicine. Now, there, there are so many, uh, she also talks about several other issues in the essay. And I think what is striking for me is that on the one hand, these issues seem relevant even today. For instance, the issue of the NHS um, being unable to have enough people uh, to, to fulfill its role. But uh, also there are some issues which I cannot completely integrate. With, uh, for instance, why is it that all the minds in the world haven't uh, gone on strike? Why, why are there people still uh, um, using their brains in at least maybe not in the NHS, but maybe in other parts of the, of the economy? Well, I would say it's a matter of degree and proportion. Uh, you know, the world that Ayn Rand envisioned and Atlas Shrugged in 1957, as I say, is a world in which the United States is really the only free country left and that these people states have taken over basically the rest of the world. And in her context, there's some truth to that. Uh, back in the 50s and 60s, the, the nations of Western Europe were all diving into socialism, doing a deep dive into socialism. That has changed for one thing. That's changed. America is no longer the freest economy in the world. If you look at these indices of economic freedom, that are produced by different think tanks. You know, they'll, they'll do a survey of where the nations of the world are most free. The United States is no longer the most free marketplace on earth. So it's no longer the single magnet that it used to be for so many people, say 50, 60 years ago. So one thing is, is that freedom has actually diffused a little better around the world. And America has grown so much more repressive that you don't see the phenomenon as, as strongly as you do. Uh, that's one thing. Another thing is, is that people sometimes cannot emigrate from their countries. So they're stopped from, and another thing is, is that freer countries sometimes prevent immigration. And that sometimes happens as well. Uh, but we're also talking about a phenomenon within a single country uh, that is a comparative phenomenon. As I, as I say, you can go from one industry to another, from one, re, from one sector of the economy to another. But all of the things being equal, people will try to work as best they can within the system that they can. Moving to another country is a big deal. Um, what happens in any event, in any event, is that the mind will shut down when there's no freedom. Take the dark ages. If you're going to be burnt at the stake or tortured for having some innovative idea, you are not going to have a negative incentive to be creative in your thought. So to the degree that a society has that, as such, you're going to shut down the mind. So the, a brain drain in Ayn Rand's sense is much broader than simply moving from one place to another. It's the fact that, that the lack of freedom will shut down the mind as such. So to the degree you can't flee anywhere that's freer, you're going to do the best you can within your system. But even within that system, if they shut down your mind, they've shut it down. You can no longer be creative. Your extra hard work no longer profits you. You're, you're no longer being rewarded. I mean, if the world were, a, if the whole world were a situation where it was like Galileo being forced to recant a simple basic scientific truth by the Catholic Church, 
there'd be no progress at all. Fortunately, Galileo lived in a Europe where there were freer places, where people could pick up on his ideas and utilize them in England or Holland or something, Germany, and people could say, oh, well, don't forget the works of Galileo. It has this effect as such. Now, to the degree that other countries have sort of caught on and made their economies freer, they've created less of a pressure to move away, and people can actually be creative within that within that field to that extent. So it's a proportionate thing. It's I'm going to refer once more to my my favorite three words in history and politics: compared to what, compared to what, and people will try and improve their lives as best they can if they can. But to the degree that they are enslaved, and to that degree, they're not going to have an incentive to work harder or be more creative. That's just a general phenomenon. And you can just see it, at these indices of economic freedom around the world can show it to you. And they're a beautiful demonstration of it. The freer the mind is, the more prosperity uh, the country will experience. And why? Because the creative minds are being rewarded and can profit. The creative minds are liberated and can think for themselves and differ from others and do it their own way and take the chance economically of doing it their own way. To the extent that doesn't exist, it doesn't exist. In my country, for example, uh, certain industries get heavily regulated and when they get heavily regulated, the creative creativity stops, innovation stops, and the creative minds go into a, a, a field or a brand, a part of the economy that's freer. Computers are a great example. High tech was positively encouraged in my country back in the 1980s and 90s, which created this huge computer and internet uh, innovation and revolution. Whole new parts of the economy opened up. Amazon could now do online retailing, for example. People could do Zoom meetings for their, you know, it greatly enhanced uh, the economy across the board. And so because it was relatively free from government control, so many of our best minds went into that field and were concentrated in that field as opposed to more regulated fields. So you can see Atlas Shrugging, you see, uh, in a uh, not only in a regional way, but in an economic sector way. And so that phenomenon definitely still continues. And it's a universal phenomenon, although it's a proportionate phenomenon. So don't be deceived. What I would say is don't be deceived by the fact that other countries are innovating now and the United States in certain ways are just shifting uh, around. Progress still happens. Yeah, progress will happen, uh, but only insofar as people are free, free to think, free to differ, free to disagree, free to be rewarded and profit from that innovation and hard work. That's the key. And maybe... When I was re-listening to this right before this show, um, I was thinking that maybe the phenomenon of shrugging off is slightly different than the whole idea of, um, we, we have talked in the past, this idea of people not being well-educated, so they cannot think properly. Be, be, shrug, shrugging off isn't completely related to that, right? It's more related to people being disincentivized to think or being prohibited to, to think, right? Precisely, precisely correct, precisely correct. Now, education does make a big difference, but you know, in terms of the education industry, say in my country, uh, uh, you can really see it. Uh, if people are dissatisfied with the public, many public schools in big cities of this country are horrible institutions that pump out illiterates and parents 
at least the parents with the resources can take their kids to private schools or parents who are disgusted with the system can homeschool. And in the wake of COVID, when parents, for example, found out what their kids were being taught at public schools, there was, you've noticed now, a flight from public schools. In effect, that's a kind of atlas shrugging, even in education. So if education were a free market thing, that would definitely put in the correct incentives for education, but education's an industry itself. You're right, it's a question of shutting down the brain by force. And to the degree that it's shut down by force, it just can't operate unless there's an escape valve of another state, another country, another industry to which you, into which you can move and have the freedom of thought and the ability to profit from your freedom of thought. Now, you previously mentioned uh, immigration as one of the reasons why the brain drain hasn't happened or has been more difficult to happen. But I also think that uh, immigration has also prevented uh, some of the worst parts of people going away or, or people being unable to, to uh, uh, fulfill role, roles. For instance, I was thinking in the NHS, which basically I have met like three uh, medical doctors that are from British origin in, in the UK and everyone else is uh, uh, an immigrant. So they have been uh, using the fact that the UK is a very good place to live so that people want to emigrate and they want to and they are able to sacrifice a bit of their uh, professional freedom to come but they get the the visa in exchange do you think that that has that's another reason that has prevented a lot of the worst parts of uh, the economy uh, again i go back to my three words compared <laughs> to what right so if existing uh, british doctors are all trying to flee to the united states where they have think of the rest of the world though if you're a pakistani or an indian where would you go if you have a chance to emigrate to great britain You'll pick that over Great Britain, you, you, over that over your 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 uh, home country, and the problem isn't that these uh, places like Great Britain and the United States are magnets. The problem is that the places these people are coming from are hell holes. You know, they can. It's not a question of these countries luring all the. And this is the other side of it that you get. We're luring all the best talent away from these poor developing countries where they need. Uh, you know, technical my scientists, doctors, engineers, business people, and we're luring them all away. Well, there's a real simple solution to that. Reject the socialism, reject the tribalism, reject the kind of economies that you guys have in, in these underdeveloped countries. That's the reason why they're underdeveloped. Um, yeah, no, but you're absolutely right in that sense too. Um, uh, but I would have to say that one of the great things in the United States um, that is, to some extent, uh, helped it out is that we have a federalist, federalized system in which states can be a sort of a, a laboratory of experiment, economic experiments, where one state can have lower taxes and reduce the, re the regulatory burden and be a draw to uh, from other states. This is true. People are leaving California and New York in droves and moving to places like Texas and Florida, as I said, that's a brain drain that's happening. And you could, and of course, in the long run, that's going to kill the economies of Cal. I mean, Elon Musk moves his corporate headquarters from California to Texas. There's a classic example of a brain drain. Actually, we have one super chat um, from Enric mentioning uh, Elon Musk. Um, he he says uh, effects of demi atlases 
like Musk owning significant share and influence of social media like Twitter, I think in reference to why the world hasn't collapsed yet. Yes, yes. If the world is holding on by the skin of its teeth, it's, it's holding on to the extent there is freedom and the, ex the extent to which there are places where people can go to be creative and earn wealth. Uh, to the extent they cannot, uh, it just simply cannot. Imagine a world, as I say, of the Dark Ages. In that case, the, the world does not need a John Galt to tell them to go on strike. The mind is simply forced to go on strike. Um, so let me also thank uh, Metija Bishak. Sorry if I uh, didn't correctly spell your name. And also Nathan Smith, who thanks uh, us for this discussion. Yes, thank you. You know, recently there was uh, in the news, just in the last uh, five years, uh, the uh, new application of the concept brain drain. Greece, when Greece was having its terrible economic problems, it, they found they could not hold professional people, people with technical educations, uh, scientists, engineers, business people were fleeing Greece in droves because of the Greek economic crisis. And today you can just go on the internet and find a dozen articles uh, and they're using the term brain drain, the term brain drain. So it's a, a term that's still used today, uh, but a term that was probably coined by Ayn Rand and Atlas Shrugged. Uh, now, whether the first people in the early 60s who were using the concept brain drain had read Atlas Shrugged, I don't know. But Drain, brain drain was a concept that comes from Atlas Shrugged and didn't enter our lexicon until the 1960s. You know, Atlas Shrugged, one of the things it does, and one of the minor things that toss off great achievements of Atlas Shrugged, is it thoroughly refutes Karl Marx's labor theory of value. It is the mind that is the source of wealth. It is the mind that is the source of progress. Technological and material progress won't just happen automatically. In, as Karl Marx thinks in his deterministic worldview. It has nothing to do with human incentives in, in his view. It is the mind that is the source of wealth and progress. And that's really the bigger point about the brain drain that, that you know, these people who use the concept brain drain really haven't let sink in, have they? It is just more than simply a, a flight from one place to another. It, if there is no place to escape and if freedom is shut down, the mind will shut down. Progress will cease. And you mentioned Greece uh, leaving, um, losing.